0: I preached from on Sunday, but um, the, what happened Sunday was whenever I was reading my text, the Lord showed this to me. When I was reading my text Sunday, i had never seen this. I've never preached it before. I don't know that I, I had ever heard it preached. I'm sure it has been. Uh, but when I was reading my text Sunday, the Lord began to deal with me and it leapt out at me. And so uh, I, I preached about it a little. Genesis twenty-two, uh, beginning with verse number nine, <clears throat> the Bible says, "And they came to the place which God had told him of." This is uh, this is uh, Abraham, he is taking Isaac up on Mount Moriah. God has told him to take his son to sacrifice, and so uh, Abraham uh, is following. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, Neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God. And I preached Sunday and I talked about there's a... God is omniscient. He knows everything, right? God knows everything. So how can God say, now I know, if he already knows? God is... Because what God knows intellectually, he wants to know experientially. It's one thing for me to know my wife loves me. It's another thing for her to show me she loves me. And uh, really, it's... Uh, her saying, you show me. (laughs) But that's for another uh, lesson. (laughs) He said, now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Verse 15. This is where the Lord began to deal with me Sunday. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. Everybody say the second time. Abraham has not left the mountain. He is still in the mountain. And he is... uh, The first time is when God said, Hey, hold up, don't kill him. That was the first time God called to him. Now God is talking to him the second time before he leaves the mountain. And he said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld her by saying, thy son, you have not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven." And as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed... Notice all this. He says, I'm going to multiply your seed. I'm going to make it like the sand that's on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. All right? So... Uh, that is the text I'm going to work from tonight, and I will come back to visit that in just a little bit. But before I do that, I want to deal with with, uh, with something else that, that ties in. You see it in this passage of Scripture, and I, we need to deal with it a little bit tonight. If you would look at First Samuel chapter number 15, 1 Samuel chapter number 15, Reading there with verse number one. Now, this is a situation where, as a matter of fact, I'll probably just kind of skip down through there so we don't I don't have to labor too much, but tell this story. Samuel was sent to Saul, king of Israel. God sent him to Saul, and he, he said, this, this is what I need you to tell Saul to do. He said, Thus saith the Lord I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. And now you're going to go and you're going to smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. You're going to kill everything. And Saul gathered the people together, he numbered them, and, and so they get ready and they go. So uh, here goes Israel and uh, being led by Saul. And verse 5 said And Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. Um, and then verse 7 says, And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to Shur that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag. Here's something to... This is just a little something for free that just left out of me, but it's good for all of us to remember as a church, this church is not built on one person outside of Jesus Christ. But it's not built on me. This church is not built on one family. This church is not just built on me. It's not just built on you church is all of us together. And so uh, if this church is going to succeed, it's going to be because we all succeed together. We all embrace uh, godly things together. Can you say amen? Um, If this church does not succeed according to the things that are of God, it will be because we did not reach for the things of the Lord together, okay? It's not one. It's not not just you that, that can mess this up or just me. It would take all of us going together. So how about we all get on the same page and say we're going to pursue the things of God. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the batlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refused, that they destroyed utterly. Um, then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king For he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Verse 13 says, And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be be thou the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God the rest we have utterly destroyed and then Samuel told him I'm going to tell you what the Lord said to me uh, verse 17 when thou wast little in thine own sight wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel the Lord anointed thee king over Israel and the Lord sent thee on a journey and said go and utterly destroy the sinners of the Amalekites and fight against them Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and did evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul tries to argue with him. In verse 22, look at that. And Samuel said, because Saul made the argument, he said, Well, hey, we brought these things back to sacrifice. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams now I know it's a lot of reading I just went through tonight but I'm, I'm wanting you to have the, the, the context of that story in the Bible God has told them you're going to kill everything you can kill every person you're going to kill every animal they didn't kill every person they didn't kill every animal uh, he diso- Saul disobeyed the, voice, the, the word of the Lord So the the first thing I want to deal with tonight before I really hit sacrifice is to remind all of us that to obey is better than to sacrifice. It is better that we would obey God than that we would just bring sacrifices to the Lord. I I need for all of us to understand tonight that sacrifice is not a fix-all that excuses our disobedience sacrifice is not a fix-all that excuses our disobedience uh, sacrifice does not uh, wipe out the record of disobedience it's important that we understand that there is that in the kingdom of God it doesn't work to say well I didn't do this but I that that God wanted me to but I did do this thing that God wanted we live in a world that tries to justify everything. Everything tries to get justified. Um, uh, well, I know I said that to them, but let me tell you what they said to me. When I was a kid, um, I, I got a BB gun. And uh, started out with the Red Rider. Anybody ever have a Red Rider BB gun? It's a good old country uh, kid thing right there. So I had that red rider until I wore it out, and then um, I got another one, which was a pump BB gun. How many knew you were really doing well when you had a pump BB gun? Yeah, yeah, I was really excited, because those were, I mean, I mean they said you could actually kill a, a bird or a squirrel with those pump BB guns. I never could. Uh, I was probably because I was a bad shot. No, I was better shocked, but I'll show you uh, why I know this. So I had my pump BB gun pretty proud of how far they would shoot. You know, that red rider, you kind of had to do this. <laughs> you had to get a little bit of an angle on it, you know, to make it go enough. And uh, uh, this one, you know, you can shoot it pretty level. You could go a pretty good distance. Uh, there was this girl. Uh, <laughs> Y'all see, this is not a good story, huh? Good thing the kids are back. There was this girl who uh, maybe some of you have heard me talk about Nana uh, Harper and Paul. Uh, Jessica was their their real grandparents. They were my adopted grandparents, but Jessica was their real grandparents. And Jessica and I used to say, hey, get each other aggravated the So she got me aggravated. I jumped up, my baby gun, And I leaned up against a tree and, pow, and I shot Jessica in the leg. And she took off running. Of I got her twice. The problem. My mom flew out of that house, and, uh, and I, I knew it was. Going to be. And she, I mean, she just laid into me. And, and I knew it was going to be going to get ugly. And so I was sitting there, and I was trying to say, "But, but, but, you need to let me say, tell you what she said to me." And I was trying to justify. It. We have a we have this tendency. to Whether we're right or we're, or we're wrong, we tend to want to justify it. And uh, really the society that we're in uh, really pushes that because everybody's just while they're doing what they're doing. While they're making the decisions that they're making. I want to tell you, sacrifice will not justify disobedience. Sacrifice to God doesn't thing I would say about obedience and sacrifice is that disobedience to God's word will remove his anointing from your life. At some point. Do you hear that? Disobedience to God's word will remove his anointing to your, from your life. At some point. God had told Samuel and called Samuel to anoint Saul and I know there's a scripture that says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, but calling see this in Genesis 22, because the Lord uh, said to uh, Abraham after he had called out uh, to him the second time, verse 18 said, And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. The sacrifice coupled with the obedience brought a great blessing into the life of Abraham. Now, Here's where I was headed tonight. Here's what I want to take just a few moments to to teach on and and, uh, and try to get all of us to really catch a hold of this. this, this, this Because this has gotten a grip on me, and the Lord has really spoken to me about this. God can only bless the thing that you are willing to place on the altar. God can only bless the thing that you're willing to place on the altar and in this particular instance, God said, Abraham, I want you to put Isaac on an altar. You're going to sacrifice him to me. And so Abraham obeyed the Lord. He put Isaac on the altar. And uh, as he is about to slain, the Lord says, Okay, hold up. Now I know. Now I know. And you have obeyed my voice. And, and so uh, I, let me tell you what I'm going to do. God begins to speak to him and he says, I'm going to bless your seed. Now, what was the seed of Abraham? It was Isaac. Isaac was the seed of Abraham. And God said, The thing that I asked you to place on the altar, which you did, is now the thing that I am going to bless and cause it to multiply and bring forth the great harvest because you obeyed what I had to say and you put that thing on the altar. God will only bless what we are willing to sacrifice. Let me tell you something about the power of a seed. When you sacrifice or plant a seed, in that seed there is an inherent expectation that within the seed there is exponential amount of that self-same seed that is waiting to be released. In other words... What, what was one seed can produce many more of the same thing. One apple seed can produce a lot of apples. One, uh, uh, I can't think of a single seed right now. One orange seed can produce an awful lot of oranges. It only takes one seed. One, one seed of, of grain can produce a harvest of grain. And God said, because you sacrificed your one and only son, God only saw one, who's Isaac. He said, because you have sacrificed your son, your only son, Isaac, he said, I'm going to bring from him a great harvest for you. And there's going to begin to be something wonderful that's going to happen. And I am going to multiply him. And I am going to bless him. And his seed, your seed's going to be as the stars of heaven. And as the sand on the seashore. And your seed is going to possess the gate of its enemies. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. There is an expectation that in the seed that you sacrifice, that there is a tremendous harvest that lies within that seed. Let me show you kind of what I mean. Let's look at uh, John chapter number 6. John chapter number 6. Verse number 5 is where I will go. John 6 and 5. This is when Jesus has a great multitude following Him. The Bible says... When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him and said, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Jesus took the loaves. In verse 11, When he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost, Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Jesus looks around at, the Bible lets us know another place, 5,000. And he says, we've got to feed all of these people. And they said, Lord, we don't have enough money to feed all these people. If we had two hundred penny worth of bread, we still, nobody could even get a little. We, we wouldn't have enough to distribute it that away. And he said, well, what do we have? And, and and here comes Andrew. And he says, there's a little lad here. And this little boy is willing to give his lunch. And uh, he's got two fishes. And he has five loaves of bread. And he is willing to give this lunch and put it in your hands, Jesus. And so Jesus took that boys lunch and he begins to break it and when he broke it it was multiplied there's another message there that when we become broken there's the, the the opportunity for multiplication to begin to happen Jesus is breaking the bread he's breaking the fish and 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 here it begins to multiply until they have fed all 5000 of these people and the lesson here that we need to understand is that if we will bring to Jesus the little bit that we have, if we will bring a gift to Him, and say, Lord, it may not be much, but it is what I have. God, it's not impressive to anybody. No one would even look at this and think that this could possibly be any kind of help to what you're trying to do. But I've just got such a faith in you that if I can give you the little gift that I have, that you can do something promising and something wonderful with it. And if we will bring our gift to the Lord and put that in His hands and sacrifice that, I am going to tell you that God will cause our gift to begin to multiply to the point that our gift will not just be a blessing to us, but our gift will become a blessing to everybody that is there with us. I don't know about you, but I'd like this to be a church church filled with people who say take my gift Lord take what I have God it doesn't feel like a whole lot to me but I'm giving it to you I'm offering it to you Lord see what you can do with it if we will bring our gifts to God there's no telling how we could touch people impact people reach people for the kingdom of God can you say amen hallelujah Mark chapter number 12 Mark chapter number 12. Let's look at verses uh, 41 through 44. Mark 12. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury, For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. If we will bring to God... The first sacrifice that I just mentioned was the sacrifice of our gift, what we have to offer. The second sacrifice that I want to talk about is the sacrifice of our finances. And no one wants to talk about finances in church anymore. And probably for good reason, because there's been a lot of preachers that have given the rest of us a bad name about finances. And and, uh, it is what it is. So, we probably have a knee jerk reaction to overcorrect that. And y'all pray for me that I'll do a better job talking about that kind of stuff. But uh, Jesus said, I want you to see something here. This woman that put in two mites, which equal a farthing, he said, she has given more than anybody else that has come here. Because everybody else that came here, they gave of uh, their abundance, they cast in of, of their great uh, amount of money that they had, but she cast in all that she had, even all her living. She of her want did cast in all that she had. She had things that she had want to buy. She had things that she needed to get, but she said, you know what? I like going to the house of the Lord and making a commitment to God and bringing a sacrifice to Him and putting this into the hands of Jesus. Now, What is so powerful about this to me is that Jesus said she cast more in than all they would have cast in. She cast more. So that means in Jesus' eyes, though, let's just just take numbers here, though they cast in $10,000 and she cast in $2, hers was going to be more beneficial to the kingdom of God than all of theirs her little bit was going to bless the kingdom of God more than their great amount. Because God's not looking for your amount. God is looking for your sacrifice. And he says, if you can bring me a sacrifice, then I can cause that to be multiplied to the point where I look at it and say that you gave more than any of these others. So I am going to challenge us tonight to let's get back to the place. I remember growing up, when nobody said anything, no preacher got up and said, we need to do this. No evangelist came to and said, I feel like there's an offering and such and such such here tonight. Nobody did any of that. I just remember growing up when my parents came home and said, we're about to make a sacrifice. We're about to make a sacrifice. And uh, this is what we're, we're going to tighten our belts, and this is what we're going to do. And they told, they told me because uh, they wanted me to know so that I'd grow up and do the same thing. And they say, uh, we're going to take, your mom and I are going to take uh, our next week's salary, and we're dedicating that to that, to the kingdom. And both my parents, we were not well-to-do people. I mean, we got by, but, but we weren't. We have become so, uh, and I'm talking about me as much as anybody else, we have become so blessed uh, through the years that it seems the more blessed we become, the harder it is for us to be. I don't understand that, why it is that way, but it's the way it is. I want to point something out to you. Um, Sometimes we get to read the Bible, we read the book of Acts, and we see people like Peter and James and John and Paul, we think the tremendous apostles. God doesn't and there wasn't much of a, of a apostolic work in Brazil at that point. But the Demerchants loaded up, and they went down there, and they began to invest their life in the kingdom. And uh, there were so many tribes that were down along the, the Amazon River uh, that flows there. And so Brother Demerchants was trying to reach them to, to go by, by boat, treacherous because of waterfalls and rapids and different things. So Brother, the merchant said, well, I'm going to learn how to fly a plane, man. He said, I'm going to learn how to fly a plane. So he got his pilot's license. And he got one of those, uh, what do you call those boats that can land on the water? Whatever it is. He got one of those. And the merchant learned how to fly that thing. And he could literally fly into these places. When he first came, some of them would shoot at him with bow and arrow. Trying to take him in. And Brother DeMerchant just kept coming. Just kept coming. Some of those people uh, resisting him, pushing back against him. But let me tell you what God did somebody for their life after. God began to move. Brother DeMerchant uh, passed away this morning. Okay? They just celebrated, I think last year, 50 years of ministry in Brazil. In 50 years of ministry, and I'm not making this up, these are all very real numbers. In 50 years of ministry in Brazil, they have had hundreds of thousands of people come to God. Hundreds of thousands. Brazil is one of the top tongue-talking nations modern-day apostle. No one else wanted to go there, and he went there and began to carve out a work for God. He alone is responsible for establishing, are you ready? 128 Bible schools. 128 Bible schools, which, as of this year, This doesn't count all those that have come through the year. This year, there is is over 3,000 students and 447 teachers. And last year, they graduated 1,550 ministers that immediately went out to begin to pastor churches that are there because Brother DeMerchant came to Brazil and started it. It is unbelievable the impact that that family has had in that nation. What are you saying? Why are you saying all that? Well, I thought I'd tell you this too. Uh, last year, Brother Demershin, his wife is in the advanced stages of Alzheimer's. Doesn't seem right, does it? Some a family that's given so much to God to have to go through something like that. His wife in the advanced stages of Alzheimer's the merchant hasn't worked out where she's taken care of, but he went. greater measure than than the 100,000 of somebody who will never miss it. God will bless what we give if we will give a sacrificial offer. He will bless our, our gifts and he will bless our finances. Can you say amen? In Matthew 26 there was a woman that came to Jesus with an alabaster box. He was sitting uh, at the home of Simon. And as he is there, this woman comes in. She uh, feels very unworthy. She doesn't appear to be what uh, the company that they would want to have at that particular time. Yet this woman comes in and she makes her way to the feet of Jesus. The Bible said she began to wash his feet with her tears. She began to dry his feet with her hair. And she took a box of alabaster and she broke it and she poured it over him and there was a worship that was coming out from her. She was worshiping the Lord for the things that he had done in her life. Let me tell you what else God will bless. He'll bless your gifts. He'll bless your finances. But if you'll bring a sacrifice of praise and worship to God, God will bless that sacrifice as well. We need to be people who are willing to give God a sacrifice of praise. A praise and a worship that will cause us to be humbled before Him. A worship that will cause us to not care who's around us. Cause us to not care what's going on beside us. We're not worried who's going to look at us and say, "That's that's not right or you shouldn't do it that way. I don't care who thinks I should do it this way. She said, I'm coming anyway. They can talk about me. They can make fun of me. They can mock me. They can say I should have given it to the poor. They can do whatever they want. But I've come to worship Jesus. And Jesus said anybody that will worship me with that kind of a sacrifice. Let me tell you what I'll do. Anywhere the gospel is preached. This is going to be spoken of for a memorial unto her. Wherever the gospel is preached. She planted a seed that day through her sacrificial worship. That is impacting the gospel to this day. To this day it is impacting the gospel of Jesus Christ. He will bless your worship. I want to bring Him that kind of a worship. I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in just get going through motions. I'm not interested in clapping because I know to clap. I'm not interested in sitting through another service and just being there and, and, and just sitting through some worship song or, or hymn or whatever it is and, 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 and that being uh, just something that I do from week to week. I want to give him a sacrifice of worship. I want him to know when I come into his presence, I'm thankful, Lord, for the things that you've done. I am so appreciative, God, of how you have kept me and how you have touched me. Lord, I don't know where I would be if it had not been for you. When I think, when Kenneth O'Connell looks back and thinks about where my family has come from and where I could be and where some of my family is today, that I'm not where they are. I'm going to tell you I feel like giving worship to him. I don't do everything right, and I'm not a perfect man by any stretch. But I want you to know, God, if there's anything I can give you with my worship that will cause you to be blessed, I want to worship you with a sacrificial worship and praise. I want to worship you with sacrifice. He will bless your gift. He will bless your finances. He will bless your worship. And the fourth and final thing, He will bless you at Gethsemane at the Mount of Olives Jesus comes Luke chapter number 22 Jesus comes and he is in that garden and he begins to pray and he says father if it be possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not my will but thine be done it's sacrifice in obedience working in tandem he is literally the sacrificial lamb of God and he is in obedience to the purpose uh, for which he is called and and so sacrifice and obedience meet if it be possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not my will but thine be done and Jesus taught us how to sacrifice self oh God help me to be a sacrificing person Help me, Lord, to sacrifice my ambition. Help me, God, to sacrifice my plans. Help me, God, to sacrifice my dreams. Help me to sacrifice, God, my will and to lay it all on an altar so that you can take that sacrifice and bring something great from it. Let me tell you what happened when he sacrificed self. When he sacrificed self, the Spirit of God that was, that was only contained in that man, Christ Jesus. That spirit was no longer contained in just the Lord. But that spirit began to be poured out. And that's why we had in Acts chapter number 2, is because we had a Savior who said, I will sacrifice hell because I've got a creation. I've got a people. I've got those who are locked up in sin. He said, and I've got to give them away out. And He sacrificed them. And because of that, there was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. If you would look at Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 10, please. Romans 8 and 10. I want to, I want you to look at this on the screen with me. And if Christ... Be in you. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Let me tell you why it is that we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's because Christ died for us, because Christ went through a cat of nine tails. He went. To a cross. He allowed all those things to happen and because Christ died for me now I can have Christ within me. Hallelujah. 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 I want to sacrifice self so that what I am can be multiplied to my family maybe. Can be multiplied to somebody else. I'd love to get a piece of the, the spirit of Benny the You say, well, what you're saying, that's not biblical. Oh, yes, it is. Elijah, about to be taken. What do you want, Elisha? I want a double portion of your spirit, Elijah. Not God's spirit, your spirit. Give me a double portion of your spirit. I see something in you that I want multiplied in me. I don't just want one of it, I want two of it. Let it be multiplied in me. And I am praying, God, let me live my life in such a way. Let me sacrifice self in such a way that Asher grows up and says, God, let me have a portion of the spirit of my dad. Oh, I'm going to tell you, if I can get just a little bit of what Bill O'Connell has, I think I'm going to be okay. I'm going to make it to heaven if I can just get a piece of what Bill O'Connell has. I want it to be multiplied in my life. I want it to be multiplied what my dad fought for. He didn't grow up in this. Nobody. He had to fight for this. What my dad fought to get that's come to me. Let it be multiplied not just to me but let it be multiplied to my kids and in their kids. And should the Lord Terry let it just keep going on from generation to generation if we will multiply ourselves we will find that there will be something passed down that will that will touch not just one, not just two but it can touch a multitude of people is there anybody in this room tonight that says I want to live my life in such a way that when I go to heaven that I can look and say look at all the people who are here because I had some small part in the making it. does anybody remember that song years ago I know he's not somebody that I'd be quoting during down. years ago he did write a good song. Thank you for giving the He said I dreamed I went to You used to teach my Sunday school when I was on the And from there it was verse to verse. All those who were let me tell you who I've got, who I've been blessed because they sacrificed self. I've been blessed because a sweet lady by the name of Sister Martha Ketty sacrificed self. My very first Sunday school teacher taught me back in the days of flannel graphs. Y'all remember those? We had flannel graphs. and I can still see Zacchaeus in the tree. And I can still see Jesus. And she taught us. And I'm here today because I got a little piece of what she put into me. I'm here today because I got a piece of what Brother Moore put into my life. I'm here today because I got a piece of what my dad put into me. What my father in laws put into me. I'm just the accumulation of all those that sacrifice self be someone who's willing to do that kind of a sacrifice. Brother Demerchant, God bless you. you showed us what it looks like to truly live in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Brother Demerchant. Great you Double honor goes to you, Brother Demerchant. I celebrate you. I celebrate your life. I celebrate I still be. Build an altar of sacrifice.